Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 90th episode of the Nice Work Podcast, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just trying to make the world 10% nicer. We hope you join us. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today we're going to talk to one of the super nicest drummers alive, the one and only Jay Lane. Jay is best known for his work with Dead & Company, Bob Weir's Rat Dog, Wolf Bros, Further, and a bunch of Les Claypool's projects like Primus, Sausage, Frog Brigade, and I'm sure I'm leaving out a bunch of other bands, but the point is that Jay absolutely rocks, and he does so with the best of them. Uh, oh, and let me just let me just get this out there real quick before I forget. If you're a Primus fan, we do a giveaway in this episode for an ultra-rare piece of Primus memorabilia. Okay, what else? Uh, we talk about Jay's time playing with his legendary peers. Uh, and we also get into the super important, absolutely super nice work being done by his friends over at the Blue Bear School of Music in San Francisco. You know, funding is getting cut for our music programs every day. I feel like I've been hearing that for the last 20 years, uh, but it's true. And the mission and work of Blue Bear, it really needs our help. So we're going to get into that. Um, oh, and when we talked a few days ago, the whole Joe Rogan flap was just starting to explode. And Jay offers his hot take on Joe, on Spotify, and the challenges of the entire music streaming industry. Uh, super nice club news. Yeah, we've got our Tower Records tribute shirts back in stock. I used to work there, so it's fun to put this design out there. Uh, just hit up the website, superniceclub.com. Oh, our book club. Our book club's also up and running. So check the site there. See if there's a chapter near you. If there's not, hey, start one. It's even more fun. Start your own book club. It's part of the Super Nice Club. Uh, oh, we're also giving away, this is cool, we're giving away a Lucid Air electric car to one extremely lucky member thanks to our partnership with the Slab City Lucid dealership. Isn't that cool? It's cool, right? Stay tuned for details on that one, maybe. Uh, okay, let's do this. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Super Nice Jay Lane. Jay, Jay Lane, welcome to Nice Work Podcast. Thanks, Todd. It's completely beautiful where you are right now. Where the heck is that? I, believe it or not, I don't want to devolve too much here and make anybody too jealous, but I'm standing on Bob Weir's porch in Mill Valley overlooking uh, a lot of uh, the Mount Tamalpais uh, uh, hillside here in beautiful Mill Valley, California. All right, so you're in Mill Valley, California. Right now, you yeah. are... One lucky dog. I used to live up in Sonoma County uh, for, shoot, 20 years. So I'm definitely very familiar with Mount Tam, Mill Valley for hiking, walking, biking. It's beautiful. I'm going to go so far as to say it's just one of the world's beautiful spots. Oh, dude, it is. Fresh air. It's nice to get out of the city every now and then. Yeah. Smell some good air. So you're living in San Francisco, though? I've always lived in San Francisco. Nothing has changed. I'm still there. Same house since like 1979. And before that, it was another house. But uh, yeah, I uh, got married kind of young. Then uh, uh, lived with my mom as she was aging. And then bought her half other house out uh, when she passed away 12 years ago. And then uh, been there ever since. Can't seem to leave. <laughs> well, it's... it's uh... Not a bad place to be. I mean, it's changed a lot, as you know. It's changed oh, yeah. a lot, oh, I, a lot, a lot, like, a lot. I'm like the local in the college town, you know. Right. <laughs> so, north of Mill Valley, just another 45 minutes is Sonoma County, 
And that's where I met you, Jay. I met you on a photo shoot for the Green Naga Hide. That's album. right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, we we traipsed around. How did that happen? Well, Les Primus, everyone, Jay is drummer, uh, two stints with Primus, correct? Yeah. Yeah. A couple a long, stints with Primus. Long time, long time ago. ago. Uh, you know, I'm like the Pete Best of Primus who got his gig back at some point. <laughs> you know, that's basically it. That's basically it, man. I wasn't the first, but I wasn't the last. I, I, you I was were the I best. Like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> That's what matters. I was number seven. There, were, there was a bunch of badass guys. I used to come in the room. I, I was in, in another band. We rehearsed down the hall, same same rehearsal studio in Emeryville, yeah. California, around 1988. I had been in other bands that isn't here and there in Berkeley area. Uh, first, the Uptones, and then... Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, a band called the Freaky Executives. And, uh, and then uh, towards the end of uh, that stint, I started playing with Primus, uh, with Les and Todd uh, in, the, in the room that they had rented and, uh, and then did a few gigs with them. Uh, and I was in Primus for about eight months before I had to make a commitment, you know, to the other band due to scheduling. And then, uh, and then the rest is history. But uh, yeah, Bob, Rob Wasserman, the bass player for uh, the Weir Wasserman thing uh, at the time, was how I met Bob. And that was th uh, through Les Claypool uh, called me up to do a session with Rob Wasserman. Uh, it, was a, it was a radio ad for Levi's 501 Jeans, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, and John Cutler from Grateful Dead was doing sound. And it was the easiest session I did, ever did in my life. It was like, hey, just go in there and jam. And like, okay. All right, what do you guys want to do? It's like, oh, that was cool. They're like, what do you mean that was cool? Like that, whatever we just jammed was the music. It was like, you're oh, done. Shit. Yeah, I was going, oh, I was fucking woo. And then so then I, I put my vocals on it. I put my voice on it actually, saying, you know, I can't go anywhere without my five hundred one jeans. And uh, actually heard it on the radio on my oh, I was driving up to my uh, honeymoon there. I got married in September uh, ninety three, and uh, heard it on the radio up to, on the on the way up there, and then. Uh, Shortly thereafter, Rob Wasserman uh, asked if I wanted to come up to Bob Weir's house to work on a musical. In this very spot I'm standing right now, believe it or not, in his studio. This is where I met him. Oh, that's Same cool. Spot, what, 30 years ago almost? And it was a musical he was working on about the baseball player Satchel Paige. Oh. Um, and then I came in. It was like David Murray on saxophone. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. So, And then I uh, just they added me to their duo. And then uh, over the years, here I still am. So check out this photo. This is a Polaroid from when oh, I yeah. met you back then. So there's yeah, that, that one. Like fucking, that seems like fucking yesterday. You know, what's funny is the green Naga Hyde 10 year. And this is, I love this photo of you, man. Look at this. You're kind of like that was pretty cool. coming in out of the mist. Green Naga yeah. Hyde was 10 years ago. They just put out a 10 year uh, re-release on vinyl. Oh, that's cool. That's nuts, right? So, yeah, that's where I met you because I met less than uh, Cheney's kids went to the same school as my my oldest kid, Justice. Oh, so less and Cheney. And I think Tom Waits kid was out there, too. Um, but, you know, Sonoma County, Marin, they've always been yeah. a home to a lot of these world class creatives. Right. Yeah. It's been a, a mecca for folks. So less and I would go out fishing and crabbing. And then he invited me to do the, the shoot for that record where we met at that. Do you remember that crazy artist compound? Yeah, all the old cars and the carnival parts and stuff. The reason why I wanted to get to these photos real quick is there's a ton of Primus fans in the club, ton of dead fans too. 
I just kind of want to do something special and give away one of these original Polaroids from that shoot to a listener, but it's going to be on you, Jay. What do they have to do to win it? Uh, how about, um, first line of the second verse of one more Saturday night, <laughs> sing it right now. They got to this- sing that shit. <laughs> All right. No, that's, 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 no. that's, what Bob, that's what Bob Weir always does. Let's do it. No, that's it. It's done. It's locked in. So you got to sing that verse and you got to send it. You got to send it to the super nice club and then we'll pick a winner. Or All first right. line of the second verse of any song they want to fucking send in, man. I don't care. Okay, there we go. Those are the rules. Send first line of any, any second verse. Whoever's the first first to send in a legitimate first line of the second verse or something. Well, it's got to be Bob Weir or Les Claypool. It's got to be Bob Weir. Uh, and, uh, or, or Les yeah, or less. Okay, Bob, we are less playful. Or any of that shit. And uh, first one to send it in gets the original Polaroid from the promo shoot uh, for Primus's Green Naga Hide. All right, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's I pretty think cool. that's pretty cool, man. I've had okay. a few drummers on this show. I've had uh, Logan from Midi Matilda. I've had oh. Elon from Nine Inch Nails. Oh, wow. Uh, my pal Ronnie from The Killers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now you... So tell me this, what does it say about someone if they find the drums the most compelling part of a band? First of all, they're the guys that's going to be reliable, like the guy you're going to rely on, it, you know, for, for many things. Because when you're starting out, who's going to actually have a drum set and bring it to the gig? That guy's probably going to end up bringing all the other equipment, too. You know, and he's <laughs> probably going to have a car. You know, and so it's like it's the guy who's got his kind of shit together in a way, you know, I mean, you can't or, you know, I know I used to show up to gigs where there was no drum or I wouldn't bring drums and I just expect somebody to have drum set. But yeah, but, you know, I I either rely on me for other things, you Mm -hmm. know, I I, I make funny jokes and I keep people's spirits up and, you know, it kind of fits. (laughs) <laughs> I, I like it there's there's the, you gotta have that i think that's what they say right the drummer is is, is keeping the rhythm yeah. the reliable and beat. then yeah. you know and then you you know the dance floor the entire dance floor the audience is relying on you you mm-hmm. know uh you can either drive them away or drive them closer man you know it's like and uh it's you know you usually got a good read on things because you got to read the room <laughs> all the time <laughs> I'm looking at your room right now, the studio. So what are you doing at, at Bob Weir's place right now? Why are you even there? Got to ask. So he's been working on a concerto of uh, so far 20, 20 Grateful Dead songs uh, mm. that have been uh, scored with uh, symphonic uh, accompaniment. That's actually turned more into uh, the band accompanying the symphony. He was trying to get really woven in there with uh, who's in charge of who here. And uh, as opposed to normally, you could just get a symphonic accompaniment, right? Mm-hmm. This is like we're this is like we're like fucking Bugs Bunny in the symphony, like clowning around in the symphony. You know what I mean? Like like playing whack a mole with the fucking conductor and shit. Like, hey, who played that? Hey, you know, it's like Carl Stalling orchestra or something. That's that's my goal with the thing. Anyway, but um, so so this uh, Italian composer has, has scored along to twenty Grateful Dead songs. And we've been trying to rehearse it because there's a lot mm. of parts. This We're not just playing our normal thing. We're supposed to drop out at places. You know, okay. we're supposed to really thin our parts out to, to rank room for the orchestra and a lot of this stuff. So we've had to build roadmaps. And uh, I guess I could go, 
deep on it. So basically, he was using a program called Finale, which is a composer's uh, songwriting DAW that's uh, probably on a lot of Windows. I think a lot of uh, you know classical people use that, or something. It's mostly for scoring. I think it's kind of mm-hmm. antiquated, um, but it's uh, it seems mostly for Windows. But uh, we were trying to rehearse along that, or you know, some of the guys uh, transferred the thing over to Pro Tools, and that was even equally as confusing. Uh, and these are MIDI files being played in Finale. So anyway, I transferred the MIDI files. I exported them out of Finale into Logic, which is a very Mac-friendly uh, app for music. And uh, I've, I've, I've had experience with all the different DAWs, you know. I, right. I try them all. But, uh, but Logic is the, the old go-to if you're a Mac guy. And uh, so I imported all these uh, symphonic, like this is an entire symphony, you know, flute, piccolo, oboe. English horn, trumpets, trombones, basses, cellos, all that shit, you know, viola, yeah. uh, viola, whatever the hell you call it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, contrabassoon, uh, you wow. know, and so you got all these parts, and so I drag them into Logic and then try to assign the sounds to them and make it a little more palatable, easy to hear, and give uh, Weir a, uh, something where he could put his hands on the controls and adjust the tempo down as we know uh mm-hmm. is liking adjust the tempo down <laughs> so so and, and then also mix it and then I, I was like well wow we could even go further and, and do some pre-production and record ourselves on there so you can hear what it's going to sound like with us playing and the symphony going at the same time so that's what i've been up to so i'm, I'm up here doing a little tech support for him get him all hooked up with logic and his universal audio interface what not in, in 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 addition to playing drums i also do production work and, and uh tech work and all that stuff how do you find do you find that uh because when you started out playing music obviously the 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 tech side of it wasn't nearly as advanced as it is now do you consider yourself like a tech geek do you really stay on top of everything do you get well, as much enjoyment well, out of that well i always wanted to record see i always i always knew that like just playing other people's music you know, mm-hmm. it'll drive, drive you nuts if you don't record your own. You, you got you to write something that keeps keep your sanity. I think for me, I always feel like I have to record myself or write something or, you know, it's a good also an a- analysis to listen to yourself. It's a good idea to record yourself and, and have that. So I've always, ever since the 80s, I've always had some sort of setup, even if it was cassette four track at first, you know right uh with microphones and whatnot um and now it's and then i you know i got reel to reel and now you know now i, I kind of combine the the reel to reel with the uh the computer stuff i've actually tried all the different daws from pro tools to perform digital performer to logic to cubase to studio one and now it's a luna and uh yeah I'm, I'm just you know constantly searching for that inspiration you know just to create some sounds because then you know then when you go back to playing gigs you sometimes just feel like you're playing these endless gigs and it gives you a good perspective on on your ear and, and how to listen to music you know so i will just admit straight up that i'm not really a deadhead definitely familiar with the dead but i've just never you know that's a that's a serious yeah. commitment in time and energy and, and everything. And I just oh, haven't yeah. made it. You know, I apologize. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I, I think I actually got this gig because I was not a deadhead. 
you know, I think there was their whole prankster thing to like go look for the squares and, and turn them out, you know. And I think <laughs> that's what he's done, even with his symphony guy, you know, he's like letting him do all his thing, thinking he's getting them one on him and he's actually getting one on this guy. Like, I thought I was so cool coming in here 30 years ago almost or whatever, you know, yeah. city boy. Now look at me. I got dreadlocks and Birkenstocks, you know. Wearing a tie-dye shirt on tie, Bob tie property, man. I know. Tie-dye shirt, Birkies and, and dreads. And, hey, man. <laughs> since, since I don't know the dead well, uh, and I do know that you've played uh, Dead & Company, a couple of shows, filled in. Yeah. You filled in, played some huge shows. I yeah. have to ask what, a question that's probably been asked a thousand times. I apologize. John Mayer singing for dead and company in place of Jerry Garcia, sort of, how does it, does he pull it off in terms of the spirit of Jerry Garcia or is it just an entirely new and different thing? Cause it just, you know, seems- I, I, I didn't see much of Jerry Garcia, so I can't yeah. really, you know, I think it's, I think it's different. I mean, he's, you know, he's a different generation, you know, he comes from different backgrounds and stuff, yeah. but uh, he definitely has the spirit, man, of, of that, you know, um, great player man you know he's really fired up about all the tunes and he you know he's he brings it all to the to each tune you know he's great great player and a super nice guy too you know i was fortunate to have to have that experience what, what kind of crowds are those there's like fifty thousand people or something or uh, i'm not sure how many people were out there i don't know if it was that many but uh you know because there was the covid thing we're still spacing them out a little bit oh right but, um surprising to see uh you know the younger people that probably never even saw the grateful dead yet you know they, they were still too young when that was when that was ending and there's a lot of younger people out there now it's really become an institution your sonoma yeah. county connection i want to bridge i want to bridge you backwards in time to get you forwards in time to what we okay. really want to talk about which is blue bear music sonoma county connection you went to music camp on the russian river right I was about 15 or 16, I think, when my mom first sent me up there. It was like eight, 1980, 81. Okay. Uh, I was for summer. I was thinking I was 10th grade or something. I went up there for summer camp. Uh, it was like a rock session. It was like a two-week session. And I fell in love with it, and I wanted to come back. So I came back for a jazz session. They had a different jazz week. And then I came up the next year and was just there all summer, summer working. I got a job up there. I loved it so much. And, uh, you know, something about the music in the Redwoods, man, experiencing music in the redwoods and you know you're getting high and all that stuff as a kid you know young young budding adult and uh having all those experiences in the redwoods you know it's really magical man um not to mention just how the sound travels between the trees is is pretty magical but you know just to have that just to be outdoors and and a thing that's focused on music and then you had the best of the bay area of jazz and and the latin players all the great artists and uh you know berkeley intellectuals that kind of convened at this music camp it's called casadero music camp it's a little town just uh south of the little town casadero uh by guerneville you know i think it's i think it's still going but it's some kind of super privatized thing it was more like it was run by the city of berkeley and they had programs which they had uh they had uh, underprivileged kids up there too and of course you know, back then, I don't think the 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 difference between the privileged and the underprivileged were as drastic as they are today. So, mm. but it, but it was definitely like we had all kind of kids mixed up, you know, up there, which is really inc- incredible experience, man. So, is that where you first got connected uh, with Dr. Stephen Savage? Was he part of that as well? 
from uh no from that Blue was Bear? so he okay. was so he was uh so he was or way earlier than that so when oh, i he was, was. Yeah, he started so, there. I messed up yeah. the timeline. Damn it! No, no, no. So, so, <laughs> so, uh, my first experience was uh, my mom saw that I needed to have some sort of tutoring or some sort of lessons or some something. So she took me around one day and tried to find a different uh, music teachers that would fit what I wanted. And you know, she let me go from like a piano school, Yamaha piano school, or something or other to a couple of different things to, to like this private guy's house, this guy named Bob Rose, uh, who, ha- who taught drums uh, in his little studio, a little tight basement studio with carpets on the walls. I thought it was the coolest thing. It was like a little recording studio. And uh, so I wanted to do that. So then she started paying for me to uh, and take me, drive me over there every week to have drum lessons. I wouldn't practice much. And it was about after a couple of years, I just kind of lost interest, but he, he suggested that I started taking lessons from his friend, Steve Savage, who was starting this blue bear school of music because there would be opportunity for not just the private lessons, but also for the uh, ensemble playing that they put you, they match you up with the other people that jam. So then I did that. So I was probably like 11 or 12 when I first did that. What an incredible experience at that age to like be in an ensemble playing music and then you know the joint came around i passed the joint that was probably the per- first time i've ever passed on a joint the first and the last time i ever passed on a joint but uh <laughs> I, you know it was a bunch of adults in me the thing is i remember this was the early blue bear before they moved down to fort mason this is when they were out mm-hmm. on ocean avenue when they first started i remember the smell of that room you know just there's something about the smell of a rehearsal space it just made me, I think it, it, it was indelible. It just made me want to have a rehearsal space to this day. And to this day, I actually do. I, I share a space with my friend Dave Shule, who's a guitar player uh, who's in Spearhead. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been friends since that ca- the camp we met at that camp uh, when we were about 15 or 16. And we've shared a rehearsal space uh, all through the years, this, this entire time. What are three dominant things that you smell in a rehearsal space? <laughs> you know, it's probably it's probably a little... You know, like the combination of like everybody else's, uh, it's a musty warehouse usually. And, yeah. but you know, just the smell of gear, you know, musical yeah. gear being turned on and like circuits firing up and uh, tubes and all that shit burning and, and then carp old carpet or maybe a little must in there too. And just, you know, this, that's, it's like something about it really. Really, you know, the fact you're going into a room probably with no windows or something, you know, to, to sit there in the dark and, and, and play together. And yeah, let's just dive into Blue Bear now, because it's such a cool school of music. And you, you mentioned a minute ago when you were doing the camp up in Casadero, how they were doing some grants, doing some stuff for the folks that uh, were economically disadvantaged. Right. And, and yeah, they, they had a, they had a, a, a I think it, it was a, not a grant, but it was a program that, mm-hmm. that they got those kids up there too. So it's like kids who wouldn't have had that experience or parents didn't pay for them. They, they were up there, actually not as campers. They were up there working. It was the, I think it was a CYO or something, or one of those, uh, mm-hmm. YEP, Youth Employment Program. That was a Berkeley YEP. That's what it was, Youth Employment Program. Got them working up there. But like, you know, hanging out, everybody was hanging out. It was, it was a great, great place to, to mix with other kids. But, and that's, yeah. that's at the heart of what Blue Bear does as an organization. They, right. are, yeah, they exist yeah. to get music to, to everybody. With the help of individual donors and foundations, 
they bring free and low cost music classes to kids throughout the Bay Area. And they work with a lot of they have partnerships with Glide Memorial, Hamilton Family Shelter, the San Francisco Public Library, the Tenderloin oh. Rec Center to get out there to bring music and change lives. And I think that's just an amazing, wonderful thing that if you're listening to this, members of the Super Nice Club, if you're living in near the Bay Area, even if you're not, check out bluebearmusic.org and check out any organization that is dedicated to bringing music to kids because so many programs are cut in schools, right? Yeah. Uh, and so many communities just don't have access except for these organizations that are trying to help out. There's probably an organization like Blue Bear near you. Look yeah. for it, get behind it however you can because we need kids to be making music. We really do. We need kids to be picking up real world physical instruments, learning how to play drums, guitar, oh, clarinet, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and by supporting organizations like Blue Bear, that's definitely part of a nicer world, which is what we're all about at the Super Nice Club. So get behind it. I'll put a link to Blue Bear Music in the uh, show notes. Seriously, support Blue Bear and what they're doing. You're teaching yes. out there how often right now? Well, I haven't gone out to teach yet, but I'm just doing online stuff. You're doing the online stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool too. You could be anywhere in the world right now, folks. And if you're a Grateful Dead fan, a Bob Weir fan, a Primus fan, you can, you or your kids or your neighbor, somebody, heck, you know, you could sponsor a neighbor's kid. That's not too, I mean, that'd be a super nice thing to do. Can learn yeah. directly from Jay, which is pretty awesome. Okay, Have Jay well, Lane be your knowledge. sensei. I'm a wealth, wellspring, wellspring of knowledge. A wellspring of knowledge. And, and probably all sorts of great stories you'll get too. For people who have kids that are like, God, I love my kid to be doing something right now. Uh, yeah. What age do you, do you think there's a best age to get started? You said you yeah, got started I, I at nine that, and think, then you burned out. Yes. That, well, no, you see, I, I think, uh, I think you can start too young, you know, yeah. I, it's, it's weird because I, you can start too young. Some of the, some kids who are, you know, their genius is already at three years old. It's like, you know, their world's over by the time they're 10, you know, the little mm -hmm. gimmick wore off and it's just, or just, they, they just learn how to really be a show off on their thing and not really learn to play with the group. So I say in your years where you're starting to really hang out with your friends and go to your friend's house, and th those are the years where it's, it's great to start playing because it, you know, do, doing it with your friends, I think is going to be more powerful than just a bunch of people doing it, you know, by themselves. That That's what I think the, the, some of the really cool things about, you know, the bands that, that everybody's favorite bands are those, those are bands that started when they were all kids, really all the best bands in the world yeah, kind of grew up playing together and they, they started picking up their instruments at the same time, whether they were at art school or high school, you know, some, somewhere in those years, high school, college years, it's never too late. That seems to be the case. The bands that, that I love the most, they're often started playing together when they were teenagers and they started a band. They didn't know how to play. They, they know how to play their instruments. That didn't really matter. Did it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you kind of, you kind of find what, what your reason is for playing music at that age too, you know? <laughs> yeah. What are some of your uh, favorite drummers out there right now? Just throw a, a few of your peers out there. People that are just killing it that people might not know about. Well, um, Okay, let me think about this for a second. Some people, some drummers that people might not know about are, for instance, like Morris Day from the time uh, was an Morris incredible Day. drummer. Yeah. He actually played on a lot of those records that a lot of people don't know that. 
And, um, and of course, Jellybean Johnson, who's also in the time, who's an incredible drummer. Also, Freddie White, who was in Earth, Wind and Fire, mm. played on a lot of hits, you know, a lot of hits. You know, I like the guys that play on the st- in the studio hits where the stuff you hear on the radio over and over and over. It's just great drumming. Uh, John J.R. Robinson, you know, played on a lot of the Quincy Jones stuff and the Rufus uh, Chaka Khan stuff. Um, You're going pretty deep in the R&B well here. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, because that's, you know, that's the stuff that gets played on the radio still to today, you know, like, like you listen to these things and I thought, that's not a drum machine. That's a real drummer back then, you know, like really, really great drummers. Of course, uh, Mike Byard. Uh, he played on some Bob Weir solo albums, uh, Heaven Help the Fool, I think, and uh, in, in the in the 70s, late 70s. Killer drummer. Uh, Buzz Buchanan, there's one for you. Uh, played with a Jerry band. Uh, one tour in particular in 78. This, this the recordings is killing me. It's just on the Apple iTunes or whatever. But yeah, Jerry Band 78. Man, I know I, I now I sound real like a real deadhead, huh? Any, this, any... <laughs> this drummer, man, I, he, you know why I like him? He sounds like a fucking drum machine. It's just so precise and just so clean. Exactly what you want out of a drummer. Nice, crisp, and clean beat. Um, I want to go back to, to Blue Bear, though. So I feel like that not as many kids are learning to play an instrument, and we don't have the programs in schools either. Do you get a sense of that at all? That maybe the, the, that we need to get more of these kids interested in, in playing instruments? Or they play oh, the yes. same as they always used to be. No, no, no. They they need to. I think they need to know how their instrument fits in with the rest of the music. You know, uh, not just here play this instrument, practice this instrument. Though, why the hell should I do that? You know, they got they got to know what 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 relevance it has to to what you know. Like, hey, you know that song you like? Well, you know that little sound that's in that song you like. Well, that's how you make that sound. You know, or something like that. You know. So, like, how do kids of, growing up in San Francisco? Or, or a city like San Francisco that's super expensive, and they want to start a band. Like, how do they even afford to get a, a, a studio space or anything like that? What's the what's the way forward for young kids that want to get it together now in the world that's just so expensive to do anything? Yeah, well, that's why we need places like Blue Bear, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that because it does seem like, you know, it's some something for the privileged right now. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's all kinds of reasons to do it, but you know, they're, they're not going to f- think they're, you know, they're not going to think of that when they, they, they don't have the access to it. So that's, that's why we need some blue bear school of music. We probably sound like a couple of old dudes uh, talking about how, Oh, we're not going to have bands in the future, but that's not the case. Obviously each generation is going to come up with their music and it's going to express their hopes and desires and fears and concerns yeah. in their own way. But, uh, uh, you know, there is something to be said for learning the, the real instrument. I'm going to go totally yeah. off topic here because I want your opinion on something. If you don't have a take on it, that's cool. But right now, today, Joe Rogan is all over the place, right? Neil Young, right. other musicians are, are bailing from Spotify. A, do you have any opinion on this? And B, how do you feel that this guy, Rogan, it doesn't matter if you love him or hate him, I don't care, but he gets a hundred million bucks from Spotify, but all that money is coming from you, from musicians, right? Spotify only had a hundred million dollars for Joe because they don't really pay musicians a lot. So they can yeah, take that right. money oh, man. to now pay Joe. Really, now, now you're going to really get me pissed off. Right. But they take that money, they <laughs> pay ridiculous. Joe and they pay Joe because they attract advertisers. To make no, more I, money, I, I, that they barely I pay everybody. 
I, I recommend screw Spotify. Everybody pull out of there, man. I got to go do, uh, make sure I'm not paying for it right now because I might have had to sign up just to get a playlist for some dumb gig I did. Now, like, now I'm going to make sure I'm not paying for that automatically, man. Fuck <laughs> that thing. That's ridiculous. I, I it's just bu- it's, All that stuff bugs me anyway. And the, the main reason all those things bug me, believe it or not, is that you would think, you know, Apple Music included all of it, that, mm-hmm. that you know, how easy it would, would to be to be able to click on the album cover and, and expand the back of the album and click on each person's name in detail and find out exactly who played on that album, exactly their database. I mean, the porn websites, you can do that at least even. You can't and they even probably, find they out. pay their stars more too, is my guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think Tidal does a little better job of that. I really need to give Tidal another shot. So I'm a Spotify <laughs> oh, subscriber right, 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 right now. Yeah. I gotta um, check that out too. The payout system, though, whether it's Spotify or Apple, to streaming, have you heard of, of any solution, something that sounds like it would work? Or is it just as simple as just pay us more? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably some of the reasons why they don't even show what's on the back of the album, because they don't want to have to be responsible for, you know, people's names and, and, and paying people. But it's it's it is it is kind of messed up because that's that's what you're supposed to do. And we used to listen to albums. We would sit there and look at the album, look at the back of the album, look at all about it. You know, you want to see all the pictures, all see all the names, see what played on there as you're listening to it. And that's the simplest thing you would think they put on there and the last thing they will put on there. So that tells you right there, they're up to no good. Well, it's what we used to take a look at, whether it was on the cassette tape or the CD or the LP, because that's how you discovered new music, right? You're like, oh, this guy played on that record and this record. I got to check that person out and the other bands that they're involved in. So right now you kind of have to count on Spotify's algorithms or Apple Music's algorithms, or, you know, you can still go online and search the band and dive in, but it used to be really at a glance. They could be doing that, you know? Yeah. I got a problem with all that stuff. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad they're showing their true colors, you know? Yeah. I'm glad for Joni Mitchell and, and, and Neil Young, man. And I, I, I hope the other people pull out of that thing too. Well, we'll see. By the time this podcast airs, we should have a, we'll see what happened. I don't think anybody's taking Joe Rogan off the air. The guy's got the biggest microphone in the world right now. Uh, and he's getting paid to have the, because he's yeah. bringing in all the advertisers. Well, it's what does he talk about? What does he talk, just talk about? Like, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? This conspiracy guy or something? Oh, Joe Rogan? A lot of listeners are going to wince at this, but I've actually never listened to a Joe Rogan podcast. Not because I ever had anything negative to to say or feel about Joe Rogan. I just hadn't paid any attention. I just like, oh, he's like an MMA fighter guy and his podcasts all look like they're three hours long. I don't uh, have time for that, right? Is he hammering? Yeah, yeah, know, but yeah, yeah. What well, seems to be people are just upset because he's he's talking about uh, COVID and, and and promulgating sort of unsubstantiated claims, medical claims, right around around uh, COVID. Uh, um, and yeah. you know, this is our culture. Our culture is our pop culture icons, and a Joe Rogan is a pop culture icon. Have a very loud voice now, and they're listened to, right? There was a time when people like, uh, I don't know, Einstein and top scientists and stuff had had access to the mic. Uh, they no don't, shit. And people revered them. People revered them for just being smart. Uh, now now you're revered because you've got a lot of a lot of followers, a lot of Instagram right followers, now. right? Yeah, that ties right back in. They're giving these kids something to do other than getting on Instagram, getting some, giving, 
you know, give them some instruments to twiddle with and fiddle with and some buttons and stuff to turn and knobs. You have an Instagram account, Jay. You have all of about eight posts on there. Yeah. Not, no, not a big social I, media I, guy, huh? I, no, you know, but I remember <laughs> like, what, what am I going to post about, man? It's just, it's just like, cause I don't, I don't want to look at anybody else's shit. So fuck it. I, I'll tell you what, Grateful Dead fans would be fascinated with posts of just where you're standing. I mean, you'd have to ask Bob for permission. It's privacy and all that kind of stuff. But it just seems so gratuitous, man. It's what everybody does. And what am I getting out of it? You know, I I got I got addicted to that stuff for a while, man. I was like, Mm -hmm. I am wasting giant hours of my day looking at this damn thing, man. And I'm not I'm not making music. I'm not, you know. I'm not drawing. I, you know, where I was going through my storage, I'm pulling, pulling all these drawings. I was like, "Wow, man, look at that!" We used to sit around and draw. Who mm-hmm. the hell does that anymore? You know, actually, my daughter does. Both my daughters do. I think a lot of people would like to see those drawings. So, what? That's a good question, though. What are you getting out of posting things on social media? I, I love that you asked that because the answer for most people is uh, gratification. Right. They're getting like, look, what I posted is cool. Look at all these likes. So so I'm cool. That's the whole addictive hook and nature of social media. It doesn't sound like it works on you. Yeah, no, I mean, it it did for a (laughs) while. You know, I got got pulled into the dopamine just like anybody else. But, yeah, I just started like, you know, just just, it's just great. It doesn't make you feel great after looking on there for a while. It's like, wow, I, I just didn't really uplift me at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find out other things that I could do. What, what would you say, you know, you, you've played with a lot of people that uh, a lot of people know you from Primus. A lot of people know you from your work with uh, Rat Dog and other bands. Drummers are known for leading their own bands, at least in, in jazz circles. They've been doing it for a long time successfully. Uh, you know, what's, what's the story with, with, the, with the Jay Lane group? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on that, man. This year I'm coming out with something. I'm, I'm coming to come out with something going to come out with something that's all you're going to yeah. give us i'm going to yeah, come out I, with something yeah i mean you know I, I i'm always working on everybody else's project but i know yeah, I, i've been but we're talking been, to uh, you so i have a few different things going on because you know i'm not sure if it's going to be like a drum album or it's mm-hmm. like you know it's got to be a thing whatever it is it's i've released a few little like just joke songs on on uh what is it called band camp or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but that was just like screwing around just i made one song and just threw it up there. But, uh, yeah. So do you have anybody in mind to play with? Or is this right now just Jay Lane solo with sticks? Yeah, no, you know, I got buddies that nobody knows who it, they are. You know, buddies that uh, I've grown up with. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, one of them is sax player for the Charlie Hunter trio, Dave Ellis, that used to be in Rat Dog uh-huh. as well. Uh, we're in the Uptones together and the Charlie Hunter trio. We're working on music together always. And then we have a few other friends that we've uh, all been friends for years and years and years. Guys who haven't really played professionally much, but, you know, homies of mine. Do you find that there's a pressure after you've played with so many folks that are, are well-known that doing something on the side has to have a certain level of accomplishment and it, it just it makes you drag your heels a little bit? I'm putting a record out. Well, yeah, because, like, you know, me and my, my childhood friends, you know, we want to get together and just, like, hang out, like, like old guys do when they hang out together, you're going to have little guys weekends and stuff, but we always feel like we got to write a song. We got to get in the studio and do that where we get mm-hmm. together. So actually we're working on just being able to like, maybe go out and have a barbecue or just have a, have a relaxing uh, little afternoon somewhere rather than having it be about, you know, getting in the studio and working on music again, you know? Yeah. It could be a little pressure. 
<laughs> All right. So this year, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm sure it matters to you that I'm gonna hold you to it, but I'm gonna hold you yeah. to it that in 2022, Jay Lane is gonna put out a record where he plays drums and maybe something else with friends. Oh, yeah, I play all the instruments. Yeah, but no, with friends. That's the thing. Not by yourself. Oh, yeah. That's not allowed. No, no, no. COVID yeah. is all solo time. This is social year, 2022. Yeah, yeah that's so, the other thing. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I was thinking I was going to do stuff during the, the pandemic, but making music by myself is not that much fun, you know? Yeah. So I was waiting for, waiting for some friends to come along. All right, yeah, so you, you are accepting the Super Nice Club Challenge then to put out your solo record this year? Oh, yeah. Are you accepting oh, it? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, it's official. We just made okay. it official. Jay Lane, solo record by the Hold end of 2022. Uh, Hold me to it. Jay, we, we wrap these things with two little segments here. Uh, the first one is it called the uh, Be Nice Challenge. It's where you, the guests, just say you get to, you just issue a little challenge to the listeners of this podcast, something they can do to make their world a little bit nicer. Yeah. Okay, I got a challenge for you. Go, go to the Blue Bear website and uh, Blue Bear School of Music website Yep, and read the whole thing. And that's the challenge. So dive read into the, the history of Blue Bear music and become yeah. become a fan. That's the challenge, right? Become a fan. Yeah. All right. All right. Sign up for a lesson with me. Hey, <laughs> that's the bonus. That's the bonus material. Yeah. Uh, the bonus challenge. Sign up for a class with Jay Lane. I like it. I like the challenge. I want to know if anybody out there signs up for a class with Jay Lane, two things will happen. Uh, Super Nice Club members. One, I'll send you something. Super Nice Club will send you something. I don't know what. We'll figure it out. It'll be something cool, something special. All right. Uh, so let us know when you signed up with Jay. Uh, message us and, you know, let us know where to send it. Secondly, we guarantee our guests. So if you sign up for a class with Jay and you're like, ah, I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, Jay was mean to me. His stories were boring. That ain't going to happen. Right. Money back guarantee, money back guarantee on your first class from the super nice club uh, <laughs> on Jay's class. So honor system. All right. You got, it's all about the honor system, but we want you to get into music. We want you to get your kids into music. We really do. Music will save the world, okay, folks? It's a big part of making the world nicer, music and the arts. So get your kids in there. And really, there's there's no better, well, there's no better time than now, but I, I doubt there's a better school of music out there. There are other schools of music, but I doubt there's a better school of music uh, than Blue Bear. And if you're interested in, it's you're teaching drums, or are you also teaching studio work, Jay? Uh, I teach studio work as well. Yeah, Okay. recording, yeah. analog, digital yeah, uh, I mean, how, how, do, how do I set up my studio? I got this computer. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Get on there. Get on there and get with Jay. Um, guaranteed by the Super Nice Club. Lastly, you get to ask a question of me. Any question. You're the host for a second. Do you got any more photos of me? <laughs> <laughs> do I have any more photos of you digitally? Yeah, I've got a lot yeah. of photos of you on my digital camera. Polaroid's just these three. If you want any of the photos, just holler at me. Let me know. Let me know where to send them. All good. Yeah, I will. That was your question. Yeah, that was it. All right. Hey, Jay, um, really appreciate you. Love that you are now jumped into the Super Nice Club. Now a member of the club. So welcome to the club, Jay. All right. Thanks, Todd. See you up in the Bay Area one of these days. Sonoma County. Hope so. Sounds good, brother. Thanks so much. So there you have it. A super nice conversation with super nice Jay Lane. Grateful Dead. 
Primus fans. Hope you got something out of that. Uh, Primus fans, seriously, I will send you an original Polaroid. It's a one of one. And in this digital world, that's a rare thing. You know, NFTs, they say they're one of ones. Artwork, nah, those can be copied. Uh, this is an actual one of one physical artifact. If you ask me, it's worth more than any Beeple NFT. Yeah, $69 million for what? Some pixels? Come on, I'm giving you the rail thing. So enter that contest. All you have to do is sing a little bit of music and send it to me. Yeah, Todd at SuperniceClub.com. Just send me your file and we'll pick a winner. Um, what else? Nothing else other than, hey, you know what would be great is if you could share this podcast with somebody, uh, anybody, somebody at work, your grandma. Um, do you have a, do you have a, are you one of those people that has a dog sitter? I think that's weird, but cool. Dog walker, even weirder. Like, come on, reschedule your life so you have time to walk your own dog. Not judging. I'm just saying to me, that's a little bit weird. Though the upside is if you do have a dog walker, you can share this podcast with your dog walker. And I will be appreciative for a long, long time. Many minutes, definitely. Uh, if you send me a photo of your dog walker wearing a Primus shirt and a Grateful Dead tattoo on his or her left thigh, I will send you, <laughs> I will send you two Super Nice Club stickers. All right? Cool. So everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Until next week, stay nice and I love you a bunch.
Don't you? 